Chapter 34 General Woundwort. Dusk was falling on Ephrathon. In the failing light, General Woundwort was watching the near hind mark as he played along the edge of the great pasture field that led that lay between the Warren and the Iron Road. Most of the rabbits were feeding near the mark holes, which were close beside the field, concealed among the trees and the undergrowth, bordering a lonely bridle path. Few, however, had ventured out into the field to browse and play in the last of the sun. Further out still were the sentries of the Owlslaw, on the alert for the approach of men or allele and also for any rabbit who might stray too far to be able to get underground quickly if there should be an alarm. Captain Cherville, one of the two officers of the mark, had just returned from a round of his sentries and was talking to some does near the center of the mark ground when he saw the general approaching. He looked quickly about to see whether anything was at fault. Since all seemed to be well, he began nibbling at a patch of sweet vernal with the best air of indifference that he could manage. General Woundwort was a singular rabbit. Some three years before he had been born, the strongest of a litter of five, in a burrow outside a cottage garden near Cole Henley. His father, a happy-go-lucky and reckless buck, had thought nothing of living close to human beings, except that he would be able to forage in their garden in the early morning. He had paid dearly for his rashness. After two or three weeks of spoiled lettuce and nibbled cabbage plants, the cottager had lain in wait and shot him as he came through the potato patch at dawn. The same morning, the man set to work to dig out the doe and her growing litter. Woundwort's mother escaped, racing across the kale field toward the downs, her kittens doing their best to follow her. None but Woundwort succeeded. His mother, bleeding from a shotgun pellet, made her way along the hedges in broad daylight with Woundwort limping beside her. It was not long before a weasel picked up the scent of the blood and followed it. The little rabbit cowered in the grass while his mother was killed before his eyes. He made no attempt to run, but the weasel, its hunger satisfied, let him alone and made off through the bushes. Several hours later, the kind old schoolmaster from Overton walking through the fields, came upon Woundwort, muzzling the cold, still body and crying. He carried him home to his own kitchen and saved his life, feeding him with milk from a nasal dropper until he was old enough to eat bran and green stuff. But Woundwort grew up very wild and, like Cowper's hair, would bite when he could. In a month he was big and strong and had become savage. He nearly killed the schoolmaster's cat which had found him at liberty in the kitchen and tried to torment him. One night, a week later, he tore the wire from the front of his hutch and escaped to the open country. Most rabbits in his situation, lacking almost all experience of wildlife, would have fallen victim at once to the allele, but not Woundwort. After a few days wandering, he came upon a small warren and snarling and clawing forced them to accept him. 
Soon, he had become the chief rabbit, having killed both the previous chief and a rival named Fjorin. In combat, he was terrifying, fighting entirely to kill, indifferent to any wounds he received himself, and closing with his adversaries until his weight overbore and exhausted them. Those who had no heart to oppose him were not long in feeling that here was a leader indeed. Woundwart was ready to fight anything except a fox. One evening he attacked and drove off a foraging Aberdeen puppy. He was impervious to the fascination of the Mustaledi and hoped someday to kill a weasel, if not a stoat. When he had explored the limits of his own strength, he set to work to satisfy his longing for still more power in the only way possible, by increasing the power of the rabbits about him. He needed a bigger kingdom. Men were the great danger, but this could be circumvented by cunning and discipline. He left the small warren, taking his followers with him, and set out to look for a place suited to his purpose, where the very existence of rabbits could be concealed and exterminated, and extermination made very difficult. Ephrafa grew round, grew up, Aphrophod grew up round the crossing point of two green bridle paths, one of which, the east to west, was tunnel-like, bordering on both sides by a thick growth of trees and bushes. The immigrants under Woodwart's direction dug their holes between the roots of the trees, in the undergrowth, and along the ditches. From the first, the warren prospered. Woodwart watched over them with a tireless zeal that won their loyalty even while they feared him. When the does stopped digging, Woundwort himself went on with their work while they slept. If a man was coming, Woundwort spotted him half a mile away. He fought rats, magpies, gray squirrels, and once a crow. When the litters were kindled, he kept an eye on their growth, picked out the strongest members for the owl's law, and trained them himself. He would allow no rabbit to leave the warren. Quite early on, three who tried to do so were hunted down and forced to return. As the warren grew, so Woundwort developed his system to keep it under control. Crowds of rabbits feeding at morning and evening were likely to attract attention. He devised the marks, each controlled by its own officers and sentries, with feeding times changed regularly to give all a share of early morning and sunset the favorite hours for souffle. All signs of rabbit life were concealed as closely as possible. The owl's law had privileges in regard to feeding, mating, and freedom of movement. Any failure of duty on their part was liable to be punished by demotion and loss of privileges. For ordinary rabbits, the punishments were more severe. When it was no longer possible for Woundwort to be everywhere, the council was set up. Some of the members came from the Owl's Law, but others were selected solely for their loyalty or their cunning as advisors. Old Snowdrop was growing deaf, but no one knew more than he about organizing a warren for safety. On his advice, the runs and burrows of the, vicious, of the various marks were not connected underground, so that disease or poison, if they came, would spread less readily. Conspiracy would also spread less readily. To visit the burrows of another mark was not allowed without an officer's permission. It was on Snowdrop's advice, too, that Woodwort, at length, 
ordered that the warren was not to extend further on account of the risk of detection and the weakening of central control. He was persuaded only with difficulty, but the new policy frustrated his restless desire of power after power. This now needed another outlet, and soon after the warren had been stopped from growing, he introduced the wide patrols. The wide patrols began as mere forays or raids led by Woodward into the surrounding country. He would simply pick four or five of the Auslaw and take them out to look for trouble. On the first occasion, they were lucky enough to find and kill a sick owl that had eaten a mouse that had eaten poison-dressed seed corn. On the next, they came upon two Lasile, whom they compelled to return with them to join the warren. Woodward was no mere bully. He knew how to encourage other rabbits and to fill them with a spirit of emulation. It was not long before his officers were asked to be allowed to lead patrols. Woundwort would give them tasks to search for Hlasil in a certain direction or to find out whether a particular ditch or barn contained rats which could later be attacked in force and driven out. Only from farms and gardens they were ordered to, clear, to keep clear. One of these patrols, led by a certain Captain Orcus, discovered a small warren two miles to the east beyond the King's Clear Overton Road on the outskirts of Nutley Copse. The general led an expedition against it and broke it up, the prisoners being brought back to Ephrathon, where a few of them later rose to be Auslaw members themselves. As the months went on, the wide patrols became systematic. During summer and early autumn, there were usually two or three out at a time. There came to be no other rabbits for a long way around Ephrathon and any who might wander into the neighborhood by chance were quickly picked up. Casualties in the wide patrols were high, for the allele got to know that they went out. Often it would take all a leader's courage and skill to complete his task and bring his rabbits, or some of his rabbits, back to the warren. But the Owlslaw were proud of the risks they ran. And besides, Woundwort was in the habit of going out himself to see how they were getting on. A patrol leader, more than a mile from Ephrathon, limping up a hedgerow in the rain, would come upon a general squatting like a hare or a tussock of Darnel, and find himself required then and there to report what he had been doing or why he was off his route. The patrols were the training grounds of cunning trackers, swift runners, and fierce fighters. And the casualties, although there might be as many as five or six in a bad month, suited Woundwort's purpose, for numbers needed keeping down, and there were always fresh vacancies in the Owl's Law, which the younger bucks did their best to be good enough to fill. To feel that rabbits were competing to risk their lives and his orders gratified Woundwort, although he believed, and so did his council and the, his Owl's Law, that he was giving the warren peace and security at a price which was modest enough Nevertheless, this evening, as he came out from among the ash trees to talk to Captain Cherville, the general was feeling seriously concerned about several things. It was less and less easy to keep the size of the warren under control. Overcrowding was becoming a grave problem, and this despite the fact that many of the does were reabsorbing their litters before birth. While their doing so was all to the good in itself, 
Some of them were growing restive and hard to manage. Not long ago, a group of does had come before the council and asked to leave the warren. They had been peaceable at first, offering to go as far away as the council wished. But when it had become plain that their request was not going to be granted on any terms, they had become first petulant and then aggressive, and the council had had to take strong measures. There was still a good deal of bad feeling over the business. Then in the third place, the Law had lately lost a certain amount of respect among the rank and file. Four wandering rabbits, giving themselves out to be some kind of embassy from another warren, had been held and impressed into the right flank mark. He had attended later to find out where they had come from, but they had succeeded in playing a very simple trick, bamboozling the mark commander, attacking his sentries, and escaping by night. Captain Bugloss, the officer responsible, had of course been demoted and expelled from the Law. But his disgrace, though very proper, only added to the general's difficulties. The truth was that Ephrafa had become, for the moment, short of good officers. Ordinary Auslaw sentries were not too hard to find. But officers were another matter, and he had lost three in less than a month. Bugloss was as good as a casualty. He would never hold rank again. But worse, Captain Charlock, a brave and resourceful rabbit, while leading the pursuit of the fugitives, had been run down on the iron road by a train, a further proof, if any were needed, of the wicked malice of men. Worst of all, only two nights ago, a patrol, which had been out to the north, had returned with the shocking news that its leader, Captain Mallow, an officer of exceptional prestige and experience, had been killed by a fox. It was an odd business. The patrol had picked up the scent of a fairly large party of rabbits, evidently coming towards Ephrapa from the north. They had been following it, but had not yet sighted their quarry, when suddenly a strange rabbit had burst in upon them as they were nearing the edge of some woodland. They had, of course, tried to stop him, and at that moment the fox, which had apparently been following him closely, had come from the co open comb beyond and killed poor Mallow in an instant. All things considered, the patrol had come away in good order, and Ground Cell, the second in command, had done well. But nothing more had been seen of the strange rabbit. But no <clears throat> and the loss of Mallow, with nothing to show for it, had upset and demoralized the Alslaw a good deal. Other patrols had been sent out at once, but all that they had established was that the rabbits from the north had crossed the iron road and disappeared southward. It was intolerable that they should have passed so close to Ephrapha and gone their way without being apprehended. Even now they might possibly be caught if only there were a really enterprising officer to be put in charge of the search. It would certainly need an enterprising officer, Captain Campion, perhaps, for patrols seldom crossed the iron road, and the wet country beyond, the country near the river, was only partly known. He would have gone himself but with the recent disciplinary troubles in the war, he could not take the risk, and Campion could hardly be spared just now. No, infuriating as it was, the strangers were best forgotten for the moment. The first thing was to replace the Auslaw losses, and preferably with rabbits who knew how to deal ruthlessly with any further signs of dissension. They would simply have to promote the best they had got, draw their horns in for a time, 
and concentrate on training until things got back to normal. Woundwart greeted Captain Cherville rather, abstract, rather abstractedly and went on turning the problems over in his mind. What are your sentries like, Cherville? He asked at length. Do I know any of them? They're a good lot, sir, replied Cherville. You know Marjoram. He's been on patrol with you as a runner. And I think you know Moneywort. Yes, I know them, said Woundwort. But they wouldn't make officers. We need to replace Charlock and Mallow. That's what I'm getting at. That's difficult, sir, said Cherville. That sort of rabbit doesn't hop out of the grass. Well, they've got to hop from somewhere, said Woundwort. You better think about it and tell me any ideas that occur to you. Anyway, I want to go around your sentries now. Come with me, will you? They were about to set off when a third rabbit approached, none other than Captain Campion himself. It was Campion's principal duty to search the outskirts of Ephrapa at morning and evening and to report anything new, the tire marks of a tractor in the mud, the droppings of a sparrow hawk, or the spreading of fertilizer on a field. An expert tracker, he missed little or nothing and was one of the very few rabbits for whom Woundwort felt a genuine respect. Do you want me? said Woundwort, pausing. Well, I think so, sir, replied Capion. We've picked up a Hlessy and brought him in. Where was he? Down by the arch, sir, just this side of it. What was he doing? Well, sir, he says he's come a long way on purpose to join Ephrapa. That's why I thought you might like to see him. Once to join Ephrapa? asked Woundwort, puzzled. That's what he says, sir. Why can't the council see him tomorrow? Just as you like, sir, of course. But he strikes me as being a bit out of the ordinary. I'd say a distinctly useful rabbit. Hmm, said Woundwort, considering. Well, all right. I haven't got long, though. Where is he now? At the Crixa, sir. Campion meant the crossing point of the two bridle paths, which was about 50 yards away among the trees. Two of my patrol are with him. Woundwart made his way back to the Crixa. Turville, being on duty with his mark, remained where he was. Campion accompanied the general. At this hour, the Crixa was all green shade, with red gleams of sun that winked through the moving leaves. The damp grass along the edges of the paths was dotted with spikes of mauve bugle, and the sanicles and yellow archangels flowered thickly. Under the elder bush, on the far side of the track, two Auslapa, or council police, were waiting, and with them was the stranger. Woodwort saw at once what Campion had meant. The stranger was a big rabbit, heavy but alert, with a rugged, seasoned appearance and the look of a fighter. He had a curious, thick growth of fur, kind of topknot on the crown of his head. He stared at Woundwort with a detached, appraising air, which the general had not encountered for a very long time. Who are you? said Woundwort. My name is Flaley, said the stranger. Flaley, sir, prompted Campion. The stranger said nothing. The patrol brought you in, I'm told. What were you doing? I've come to join Ephrapa. Why? 
I'm surprised you ask. It's your Warren, isn't it? Isn't there anything odd about someone wanting to join? Woodward was nonplussed. He was no fool, and it was, he could not help feeling extremely odd that any right-minded rabbit should choose to walk into Africa of his own accord, but he could hardly say so. What can you do? I could run and fight and spoil a story telling it. I've been an officer in an house law. Fight, can you? Could you fight him? Said Woodward, looking at Campion. Certainly, if you wish. The stranger reared up and aimed a heavy cuff at Campion, who leapt back just in time. Don't be a fool, said Woodward. Sit down. Where were you in an owl's law? Far off. The warren was destroyed by men, but I escaped. I've been wandering for some time. It won't surprise you that I've heard of Ephrathah. I've come a long way to join it. I thought you might have some use for me. Are you alone? I am now. Woundward considered again. It was likely enough that this rabbit had been an officer in an house law. Any house law would want him. If he was speaking the truth, he had enough wits about him to escape the destruction of his warren and survive a long journey through open country. It must have been a very long journey, for there was no warren within the normal range of the Efferfin patrols. Well, he said at length. Dare say we might be able to find some use for you, as you put it. Campion here will look after you tonight, and tomorrow morning he will come before the council. Meanwhile, don't start fighting, do you see? We can give you plenty to do without that. Very well. The following morning, after the council had discussed the predicament of the Warren due to the recent losses, General Woundwort proposed that for a start they might do worse than to try the big newcomer as an officer in the near hind mark under the instruction of Captain Cherville. The council, having seen him, agreed. By knee frith, Flaley, still bleeding from the mark gash inflicted on his left haunch, had taken up his duties. <laughs>